0: Father God, we just thank you so much for Ben and for Holy Trinity, Sydenham, Lord. We thank you for everything you're doing in that church. And Father, we just, um, we thank you for the way you've been speaking to Ben this week. And we just pray um, blessing for him, blessing for the church and his family. And um, give us the ears to hear and the hearts that are open to the message that he has prepared for us today. Amen.
1: Thanks, Sarah. Well, it's lovely to be with you. Yes, my name is um, Ben, and I'm the lead pastor of a church down in Sydenham and Forest Hill called Holy Trinity. And um, if you're not quite sure where it is, then um, you're not the only one. Um, but if you know Forest Hill, if you go down the Dartmouth Road, we're on a road called Sydenham Park, and we meet every week at 10.30. Um, and just a little bit about me, I'm married to Lydia, who uh, is a doctor, She's a respiratory doctor, And um, she's just gone back to work after Matt Leaves 2.0. So that means we have two kids, uh, Tilly, who is three, uh, and Beatrice, who is one. Uh, So life feels quite full on uh, at the moment. And um, we've been uh, at Holy Trinity for about six months. So we moved in January 2022. Um, And really, uh, the reason why we came, the reason why we felt called to to grow the church and to move from Ealing, where we were before in West London, across the river to Southeast. We survived, yes. Uh, across the river to Southeast is because of the missional potential of the area. And just a real sense of hearing the story of St. Peter's as well in Brockley, that God is doing something. God is doing something in Southeast London, and it's really exciting, and we want to be part of it. So um, just to say that if you live in Forest Hill or Sydenham or Catford or you have a heart for the local church and want to see the local church alive and doing the things of the kingdom and are up for a bit of an adventure, then do come and join us or think about joining us. And um, we're so grateful for the generosity uh, of St. Peter's as we partner together. It's really exciting. But today we are continuing our series on 1 John And um, I'm going to be speaking from the uh, NLT, Uh, so if you've got a a Bible uh, open on your phone, then do follow along. And um, we're looking at some of the messages that we find in chapter 2. And you know, I love the book of 1 John. I love this book because in it, John simplifies life and faith down to the basics. And... um, When life can feel overwhelming, when life can feel complicated, sometimes it's good, isn't it, to go back to the basics. Uh, Life can feel quite full on uh, at the moment as we have uh, two young kids and we're trying to Uh, Look after them, and then my wife is restarting her career in medicine, and then we've just moved, and so we're kind of getting to know our local area, and then we're trying to get our heads around a new church, and moving the church into fruitfulness and health. And uh, with the complexity of life, sometimes it's helpful to come back to the main and the plain, and I think that's probably true for all of us. And in a world that can seem increasingly complex, doesn't the world seem complicated at the moment? So many issues that we're facing, so many areas that our minds could be taken from climate change to the cost of living to war, anxiety can be rife, perspective can get skewed when we're stressed. And John says, let's keep it simple. And he brings us a message which isn't new, but it is one that we can easily forget in the hurly-burly of life that we all experience, and it's a message of love, of love. He says, life and faith, if it's about one thing, if you remember one thing, then it's all about living a life that is marked out by love, a love for one another and a love for Jesus, And if people look at our lives and say that his life was all about love, that he gave himself away to others and he gave himself away to the Lord, then that's not a bad thing to be known for. And you know an act of love can make all the difference, can't it? Whether it's big or small, that, that cup of tea that someone makes us in the morning or when someone goes out of their way to help us out. Maybe let's just stay with them for a few weeks if we're going through a difficult time. Drives a distance to be with us, whatever it might be. It makes a difference. It does something to our hearts. And when we forget love, then that also makes a difference. I was reflecting on that this week and particularly with the hot weather. Uh, A little event that happened in our house a few years ago and it's just a small thing. You know, sometimes the small things in life can be the big things, do you know what I mean? And um, it was just a normal work day. Um, uh, My wife was working nights. She was asleep at home during the day. And it was about five o'clock, so I was just finishing work. And I decided in my mind that I was gonna go past a mini Sainsbury's and pick up an orange San Pellegrino. Do you know the drinks that I'm talking about? If you don't know San Pellegrino, it's kinda like Fanta, but posher. And uh, I just had this in my mind. I was really looking forward to it all afternoon. It was hot. I was gonna go to Sainsbury's, I was gonna pick up a San Pellegrino. So I go to Sainsbury's, I pick up my nice cold San Pellegrino. I'm drinking it on the way back. I get home and my wife wakes up and she sees me quaffing this lovely, refreshing drink. She's hot, she's sweaty, she's just about to go to work. And she says, oh, you didn't think about getting me one. And the truth is, the thought hadn't even crossed my mind. No, I was so, uh, had it in my mind, my own desires, I'd forgotten even my wife. It's easy to do, isn't it? And so John says, come back to the main and the plain. This is what he says in verse 7. Dear friends, I'm not writing a new commandment for you. Rather, it is an old one that you've had from the very beginning, what he means by that is actually the love of God and the love of others comes all the way back from the Old Testament. It's a, a command that you've had for thousands of years. He goes on, this old commandment to love one another is the same message you heard before, yet it is also new. Jesus lived the truth of this commandment and you were also living it. And when he says it's a new commandment, he says, yes, you've had it from the beginning, but when Jesus came, he showed us how to really love. He showed what uh, generosity really looks like. And so, in a sense, it's old, but it's also new. And so we're invited to live this different way. It is new because, like that example with the San Pellegrino, it's not natural to us. So we're invited to step in and live a, a new way, a way where our own desires and our own, our own kind of selfish self-interest is put to one side as we look to others just a bit of context john is a wise old grandpa uh, at this point and he was one of jesus's closest friends he was in the inner circle peter james and john with jesus and this book is written towards the end of his life about 80 or 90 ad and he writes to a, a group of churches in ephesus which in today's money is turkey And he was like this elder, this person that the church would have looked up to. He was actually someone who was with Jesus. And because he's coming towards the end of his life, there's an extra poignancy, uh, there's an extra sort of simplicity, I suppose, an extra wisdom to what he's saying. And he picks a few themes and he deliberately circles on them to highlight their importance. So as we go through 1 John, you'll notice that the same themes come up again and again. And it can be a little bit like, okay, we get the point. You know, we should love each other. Let's move on to something else. The church father, St. Jerome, in his writings, tells a story that when the Apostle John became so weak, he could no longer preach. He would be carried into the church congregation in Ephesus just to give a few words of teaching. And apparently he would say, little children love one another. And Jerome says, when his hearers grew tired of this message and asked him why he so frequently repeated it, he responded, because it's the Lord's command. And if this is all you do, it's enough. The Apostle Paul writes something similar in his letters to the Galatians, when in 514 he says, the entire law is fulfilled in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. When I was um, at Theological College training for ministry, unsurprisingly, we had a, a library at, at the college. And obviously, the library is full of hundreds of books all about theology. Uh, a little bit like Chris's study, I'm sure, at home. Uh, and um, if you didn't know much about Christianity, you could go into a, a library like that and look at all the books and all that's been written over thousands of years. And you might think that Christianity is really complicated Gosh, lots of people have said lots of different things about Christianity. There must be so much to understand. But in reality, Christianity is not complicated. Christianity is really, really simple because it's all about love. It's all about knowing the love of God in our lives and then reflecting that to others. As someone once said, faith is easy to understand. It's just actually quite hard to do. But in the church so often, we've made faith difficult to understand, but easy to do. So how can we live this life of love? What does love actually look like in kind of day-to-day life? Well, here are some genuine answers of some young children who were asked this question, what is love? If you asked, a, don't know, a five-year-old, what is love? I wonder what you think they might say. But here are some genuine answers. Uh, When someone loves you, the way they say your name is different. You just know that your name is safe in their mouth. That's Billy, aged four. Love is when a girl puts on perfume and a boy puts on shaving cologne and they go out and smell each other. That's Carl, aged five. Love is when you go out to eat and you give somebody most of your French fries without making them give you any of theirs. That's Christy, age six. Love is when you kiss all the time. And when you get tired of kissing, you still want to be together and talk more. My mommy and daddy are like that. They look gross when they kiss. That's Emily, age eight. If you want to learn to love better, you should start with a friend that you hate. Profound from Caroline, age six. Love is like a little old woman and a little old man who are still friends even after they know each other so well. That's Tommy, aged six. Love is when mummy sees daddy smelly and sweaty and still says he's handsomer than Brad Pitt. That's Chris, aged seven. When my grandmother got arthritis, she couldn't bend over and paint her toenails anymore. So my grandfather does it for her all the time, even when his hands got arthritis too. I think that's what love is, from Rebecca, aged eight. When you love somebody, your eyelashes go up and down, and little stars come out of you. That's Karen, aged seven. There's some great answers there, and I think also a lot of wisdom right there. And one of the things that came through in those examples, and that probably resonates with us, and that John would want to echo in his writings, is that love is actually about doing something. Love is actually about action that is costly to us. Love is not just something that we might say in a text message or how we might feel on a sunny Saturday afternoon when the world is all it sh- as, as it should be. Love isn't just something that happens on a Friday evening date, however exciting things might be. But love is about what we do in everyday life, the culture that plays out in our life with others, whoever we do life with. And John here gives a specific example of the church. And he says, what's the culture of the church? You know, in, in, in the church that he was writing to, there, there needs to be unity. And you need to not just talk the talk, but walk the walk. This is what he says in verse nine. If anyone claims I'm living in the light, but hates the fellow believer, that person is still living in darkness. Anyone who loves a fellow believer is living in the light and does not cause others to stumble. But anyone who hates a fellow believer is still living and walking in darkness. And such a person doesn't know the way to go. They've been blinded by the darkness. Now during um, the time that John was writing, there was a a kind of fraction in the church because there were some who had been Um, Moved away from the faith, there was a heresy going around that Jesus didn't actually come physically in person. And so this is why at the beginning of 1 John, John's like, no, Jesus definitely did come physically because I met him. So he does correct that heresy. But he says, it's interesting that he says, but don't let those disagreements stop your unity as a church. Your life together, however different you might be, still needs to be marked out by unity and generosity and kindness to one another. And that's a helpful message, isn't it, for us today. You know, as we seek to do life together, perhaps in villages and on a Sunday morning and and whatever else expression it might take from the local church, genuine community can be difficult because people, surprise, surprise, can be annoying, right? People can wind us up. People do things that we find difficult. Perhaps the person singing next to you this morning was singing in a key that was different from everyone else, that they felt led to sing in that key, and everyone else was singing in a different key, and that could be quite difficult. Or maybe there's someone that prays in a way that's different to you, and you find that difficult. Or just personalities clash. And what I find is that it's easy in community life to just decide I'm going to step back. I'm just gonna come in, I'm gonna do my thing and maybe I'm just gonna leave straight after the service or I'm just gonna talk to these people over there. But love always chooses to lean in to the messiness of relationship rather than the convenience of distance. Love always chooses to get close. That's what the love of Jesus looked like. And one of the values that we share as churches at Holy Trinity and at St. Peter's, is that we want church to be a place that feels like family, that we genuinely do life together. And we know that family can be messy and difficult, but it's also the place that we find healing and belonging and love, and our hearts can be transformed. And in a world that is so often characterized by division and disunity and individuality, me first, what an amazing thing to be part of a community that is we first, and it is intent on unity and doing life together. So that's the first thing, love is about action, and it's worked out in community. And then secondly, John says that love focuses on people rather than possessions. This is what he says in verse 15, do not love this world, nor the things it offers you for when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. The world only offers craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, pride in our achievements and possessions. These aren't from the Father, but from the world. And I was reflecting this week on how easy it is to forget that. And the image I had in my mind is that it's like we are athletes, The Commonwealth Games are on at the moment, so maybe we're kind of familiar with athletics. We've got athletics in the mind. And it's like we're running a race, and we have these ambitions in life. And often those ambitions are to do with our work. You know, we want to get to this level of promotion by this time, or maybe our finances, and we want to be able to buy this house by this time, or or maybe a hobby that we want to progress in. And if we're lucky, we have people around us to cheer us, cheer us on. Family, parents, spouses, kids, a girlfriend or boyfriend, a group of friends. And I was reflecting on how easy it is to be so fixed on the race that we uh, are running, the, the ambitions that we have, that we fail to stop and notice the people around us. We had this... Um, picture given to us when we got married and it's it's kind of cheesy it's of a a giant train ticket and on it is written it's not the journey or the destination that matters it's who you're traveling with it's a bit soppy isn't it and actually I don't agree with it entirely because I think the journey and the destination are quite important but it was good to be reminded that the people around us matter and as I was reflecting on it this week What if God is actually asking us to realign our destination, to realign our ambitions? What if, for me, my ambition was to be the best dad that I could be? Or to be the best husband that I could be? Or the best friend that I could be? That's more important than anything to do with my work, however valuable that might be. Because, you know, in life, it's relationships that make life rich. Listen to to what John says. The world offers only a craving for physical pleasure. That's like appetite for food and drink, sex, comfort, Netflix. These aren't bad things at all, but John says don't let them become the number one thing because you know what, life is made rich through relationships. He goes on, a craving for everything we see, pride in our achievements and possessions. That's the desire to accumulate more and more stuff, iPhones, TVs, a new kitchen, moving up the property ladder, a certain status at work, all great things. But John says, don't let your, your cravings go to those things. Don't let them be the number one. Why? Because life is made rich through relationships. The world is fading away, John says, but it's relationships that will last You know, not many people on their deathbed will say, you know, my greatest regret in life, the one thing I wish I'd done more is spend more hours in the office. If I could have my time back, that is what I would do. I'd spend more hours sitting in front of my computer working. Not many people say that. But a lot of people say, I wish I'd spent more time with my family. I wish I'd spent more time with my friends. It's relationships that matter. Prioritize people over possessions, John says. And then finally, how do we live this out? It all comes from encounter, the deep well of God's love for us. And this is really the most important thing, that as we experience the love of God through the Holy Spirit, we are changed and transformed to genuinely love others. And so to live a life of love isn't just an act of the will, it's not just a decision that we make, but it's a fruit of the Holy Spirit. I love the fact that John chose to call himself the disciple that Jesus loved. And I don't think he was doing it to wind up the other disciples, to be like, well, he really loved me the most. I think he did it because he had such a profound experience of the love of God in his life that he chose to identify himself in that way. I'm the one that Jesus loved. And we can all do that because Jesus loves you so much and when we choose to define ourselves as sons and daughters loved by our father whose love is too great for us to comprehend a love that we were singing about just a moment ago this is amazing love that you would give your life for us when we experience that we find ourselves naturally living a life that looks like Jesus giving ourselves away to others And I just want to end with a story of a a young adult called Grace, who is a previous church that I worked at. And um, I met Grace on Alpha. She didn't come from a a Christian background. She came totally non-faith background. Her parents were into kind of alternative spiritualities. And it was during lockdown. So I guess, you know, there wasn't a lot else to do. And she got this leaflet through her door about Alpha. So she decided to come on Alpha. Uh, online, we were doing it on Zoom. And um, she came along and she heard about Jesus and then we had a Holy Spirit evening. And we just prayed for the Holy Spirit to come and that everyone would be able to experience God's love for themselves. I remember praying for her and I remember saying to her, you know, God loves you so much and there's nothing you could do to make God love you anymore and nothing you could do to make God love you any less. You are his daughter and you are enough. And as I prayed that over her, there were tears that came down her eyes. And she described it as this moment. She said it was like the moment in Wizard of Oz, when everything goes from black and white into color. And she had this deep encounter with the love of Jesus. And what's been beautiful is seeing her change, seeing her life after that, because she had these new desires well up from within her. And she, she found herself volunteering to serve in the children's team. And she found herself doing um, community action projects. We ran something called beesham which did van runs on a Thursday night to local houses for people who had very little in life. And we would give furniture uh, and uh, kind of helpful household objects. And she even got her boy- boyfriend involved in Beesum. I'm not sure quite how much he knew about it, but he was told that's what he was going to do. But that's what happens to us when we experience God's love through the Holy Spirit. We end up living a life that looks like Jesus. So how can we do this? It starts with action. It's about people, not possessions. And it comes from encounter. So let's stand. Let's invite God's Spirit to come afresh on us this morning as we seek to live out this life this week. I guess this is a, a moment in the service where we can decide to lean in or decide to step back and I just invite you to lean in as we say come Holy Spirit, come Holy Spirit. And our outward posture reflects what we are saying in our hearts. And so maybe you've done this a thousand times. Maybe it's the first time. But I just invite you to place your hands out in front of you. And I just sense the Lord's inviting us to take a big drink of his spirit this morning. So okay, what Sarah was saying, a big drink of the Lord's peace, but also his love, that we might know it in our hearts, not just in our heads, that we are children of God, come Holy Spirit.
0: We've got lots of time, so let's not rush away. If this is new to you, all um, we're doing is we're just waiting on God. We're giving him some space. As Ben was saying, we have busy lives. This is an amazing opportunity just to be with him. There will be things that have come up during Ben's talk um, that will come to mind for you and I I want you to take that to God right now. We're just going to wait in silence for a while longer. Say, Lord, can you help me with that? Can you pour out your love, which is power, onto that? So just do that now.
1: sense that the Lord wants to give some of us, there's like a really messy relationship we have in our minds like a really difficult person perhaps in our team at work or um, in our everyday life in some way and the Lord wants to give us his grace to love that person that we don't have to do it from our own strength and striving and maybe you've got that person in your mind and the Lord just wants to enable you to love them well. As we're waiting also, just have... um, the word appendicitis in my mind and just wonder whether anyone's suffering with that and um, if you are I sense God wants to bring healing to that this morning
0: you're doing really well it can sometimes be we're not used to this are we we're waiting on God in silence but let's just keep pressing in Ben shared about people struggling with um, others, that was definitely the pressure I had on my mind Um, and I felt God say um, sometimes the solution is to remember to pray for them so if there's a struggle if there's somebody who you're thinking, as Ben said, they're just annoying and you're, you're, you're probably right, you're probably justifying all the reasons that they've done that but God was like pray, pray for them, so let's pray a blessing on them Say, Lord, help them. I had the sense that when Ben, specifically when Ben was sharing those um, definitions of love from the children, that some people, it was really painful to hear that. And you were just like, no one loves me like that. Who's going to love me like that? And I just feel like the Father saying, in your... Um, loneliness and in your lack come to me and I will fill you up. Great, well then, So what we're going to do is what we always do. Um, we've got a space at the front and if um, you want prayer for anything that's either been said or for stuff that maybe came up for you during the, the worship or the service or just stuff that's been going on in your week there was a word before the service about Um, We feel that um, God wants to feel some people physically this morning as well. Then um, please make your way forward. As I said, it's not to expose you. It just makes it much more simple for us to get to you and to pray for you. So if any of those things, then please come forward now. So the invitation is to come forward now. Um, And then we're going to have some people who are on our prayer team who are going to come. They're going to lay a hand on your shoulder. They're going to pray. You don't have to share what's going on, but you can do if that helps too. We've got a while, we've got a few minutes before the kids, so um, please come forward for any prayer at all. Um, We know God's at work, we heard some testimonies earlier, and I know there's more in the room. Um, So we're just going to spend a bit more time praying, so um, come forward now if there's things that you would like to see God break through um, into your lives, um, and especially in the areas that Ben was talking about today, about maybe you feel like you did change, that you went from darkness to light, but actually it feels like, oh. It's kind of got a bit dark again. It's kind of got a bit hard again. Um, or if you're sort of, as Ben said, struggling with somebody, then please come forward because we'd love to pray for you in that space too. It's not nice to have our minds consumed with that. We'd like to be looking to God and what he's doing as well. So um, if you're on the prayer team, you could pray. Um, please do come forward. Um, we've got another few minutes before um, the kids' groups are over, so we've got loads of time. Um, if, you're, if you're not going to come forward, That's absolutely fine. Please always know. Sometimes we don't feel like we need that. We don't feel like that's our time. That's fine. It doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean that God's not talking to you or working with you either. It's just sometimes there's a moment where we like to move forward and come forward for some prayer. Um, So if you're not coming forward, that's that's great. That's fine too. But we've got five more minutes, so we're going to pray for these guys at the front.